Welcome to another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast. Look at the adjective. Podcast. Fabulous podcast. <laughs> and of course, that's Acton Kind. That's Acton Kid. Brian Bradshaw. <clears throat> Excuse me, I need to cough now. Uh, how's it going over there today, Brian? I'm a little unwell, uh, unfortunately. I've been a bit of a cough. So, um, if I do go quiet, you'll know why I'm muting for professional audio quality to cough. And uh, other than that, I'm I'm fine starting this year with a bang, you could say, by getting into some exercising. No, I'm not doing DDP yoga, guys. Sorry, I just had to say it because it's WCW related. And playing Ring Fit Adventure on the Switch, and it's fucking marvelous, even though my knees are killing me. <laughs> well, for the next hour or so, you're going to get to sit down and relax and chill. And let's talk about natural number 39 going down at... Wheeling Civic Centre, one of what Brian's just told me were many civic centres back in the 90s in, <laughs> in the United States of America in uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, with an attendance of a capacity 3,500 people. Um, where did you say you got that civic centre thing from? I can't remember. I just read it online. Yeah, uh, it's I absolutely think it might be, true, though. I think it was 411 Mania. Right. <laughs> no, it, it, it does raise a good question because it just seems like every other week they're in a civic centre. Did the Honda Civic come out in 1996 and you just mass-sponsored all these arenas in, in the US? That's I mean, what come I'm on. thinking. Cars. Somebody, yeah, somebody explain this. Why is almost every centre a civic centre? But now there's still some to this day. Yeah. I, don't, I, 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 I honestly don't get it. Clues in. We're not American. Yeah, let us know. At Nitrogen Cast, as always, um, we need to know why. And if you're used to own one of these buildings, even better, just let us know. Starting this one off, Tony Schiavone and Larry Zbysko opening this week's broadcast from ringside. And while Tony runs down some of the card and current events here in WCW, Larry gives his slightly heelish comments, giving particular attention to the dummies, Steve Mongo, McMichael and Kevin Green. Uh, Ooh, we- what a heel. <laughs> dummies. Dummies. <laughs> a bit like them uh, Hogan promos where he's been you know, really child-friendly about insulting people. Oh, yeah, the stinky giant. Yeah. Um, we also run the footage from last week where Sting and the Outsider have the confrontation uh, with his little, no, big surprise due this week, something that Tony is really looking forward to by the sounds of it. We jump straight into a match here, which is going to be a singles match of Scott Steiner versus Booker T. Larry Zabisco does say that uh, Booker T is one of the finer performers here in WCW and in the wrestling world as a whole, really. And both of these get plenty of fireworks as they're coming out with a lovely crowd. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. (laughs) (laughs) With uh, a great crowd response from both entrants as the two pause for the attendees to start off this match. Looking really good as well, both Steiner and uh, Booker T, cosmetically. Uh, Just Scott Steiner's attire was a little bit pink. (laughs) Uh, Booker T's attire, attire was a bit shit. I mean, I, I I don't like the the um, the Harlem Heat attire at all. It is very rinky dink. Rinky dink. It's, <laughs> it is different, but it just it just doesn't look right. I would just prefer if if they they just got rid of that top singlet part, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. I, I, there's a, a ringlet because it's got that big fucking hoop thing. Yeah, it's really low cut that in it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just doesn't it. it it looks very S and M. Yeah, it does. Yeah, really shiny. <laughs> yeah, uh, they put the heat in Harlem, don't they? S and M. 
lots of tidy reversals from both ends, in, uh, which ends up in a butterfly suplex from Scott Steiner, uh, then an atomic drop and a clothesline out of the ring. Uh, back in, Steiner is in charge until he runs into a big super kick in the corner and a, a scissor kick thereafter and a front chancery for Booker's uh, side to get him the advantage and a big crossbody off the top rope gets him a two count. Steiner uh, back in control. By the way, that 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 crossbody, um, Tony calls it a swan dive. Is and I just said, said, yeah, and I just like I, I just put, and this is very self indulgent us being Rovers fans. Oh. Uh, I said, Booker goes all Chef Kikuchi with a swan dive, but this is. <laughs> Oh yeah! As soon as you said us, I knew you which way you were going with that, Chef Kikuchi. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> right. If, if you if you don't know, uh, if you, you really must know what that is, uh, you don't even need to enter Blackman Robbers because he did this throughout his career. All you need to do is enter Chef K S H E F K I Kuchi K U Q I. Sorry for the spelling. He's fucking finished for goodness' sake. Uh, just enter Chef Kikuchi Swan Dive on YouTube and just watch the. One of the best celebrations in football ever. Yeah. And I, how he never injured himself is a miracle. I was terrified. Uh, I was at a game and he'd not scored yet for Blackburn. Uh, and I was, at, I can't remember who it were. And he, then he scored two in one game. And um, he scored the first goal. So obviously he went off to do his celebration. And I, I were in the Darwin end with my mate. And I just went, oh, Jesus Christ, what's he doing? <laughs> because I honestly thought, like, star, he's supposed to be like our star striker at that time. He's supposed to be getting all the goals and everything. And maybe now the floodgates have opened. So he goes and throws himself on the fucking floor like that from, like, six foot in the air. I'm like, don't do that, fucking hell. Then he scored again and did it again. I'm like, Jesus, I can't take this. I can't take this. I'm not fucking coming back to this football team. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the years of doing that, he built calluses on his chest, so he just he was completely protected. Yeah. But yeah, I was the same when I first saw him do that. I'm like, oh jeez, he's just trying to kill himself. <laughs> like, well, isn't that depressed with scoring a fucking goal? Yeah, uh, Lord, Lord love him. But it's kind of like seeing that classic Ian Wright. I know it's a sore point for you, but uh, Ian Wright celebration where he does that weird side head dive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Look after yourself, footballers. We actually do like you. <laughs> we That's want you to it. have healthy, successful careers. I, I, I think I remember whoever the manager were at the time as well. I think it might be Husey. I'm sure he said, yeah. well, uh, I don't want him doing much of that <laughs> in the post-game <laughs> interview. Incredible and then he stuff. goes and does it every fucking week that he scores. Yeah. Well, anyway, this... That- um, this cross body was not a swan dive. <laughs> let's, let's be brutally honest here, Tony. Uh, it gets him a two count, but Steiner's back in control with a corner mount and a belly to belly. It goes for the Frankensteiner after whipping Booker off into the rope, but Booker holds on to the top rope. Booker up top for a splash, completely misses, and Steiner ah. gets in another belly to belly to get the three count there, and the winner will be Scott Steiner via pin. Uh, just under six minutes given for that one. And my apologies, it was that dive, not the first one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mis- miscommunication in the junction here. Uh, no yes, it was that one. And yes, it was closer to a swan dive. He <laughs> <laughs> did land chest first. Yeah. And that must have fucking hurt. Oh, that was definitely a stinger. Um, that no being said, like, uh, I think Scott Steiner could probably have hurt him a lot more in this match than that dive ever could have. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I did think it was quite a smooth match. Uh, I, I didn't see many oh, no, any cock ups. Yeah, it, it was actually really weird. Really, I'm just saying the potential of Scott Steiner actually hurting somebody. He is a stiff fucker. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wouldn't want to take a punch from him. 
Well, Steiner's going to have an op- another opportunity to hurt somebody now because uh, just after a short break, he goes up to the entrance where, where me and Gene Auckland's waiting to uh, ask him a couple of questions for the hotline or whatever, I don't fucking know. And they talk about the upcoming match, which is going to be the Steiner Brothers versus Fire and Ice at the Great American Bash. Uh, but they're interrupted by Deborah McMichael and she takes, she says, uh, I just need to talk to you for a few minutes and Scott Steiner graciously gives her the floor. Um, Unusually cordial with Scott Steiner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Even as a face, like in his, in his later WCW run, his WWE run and thereafter, it would have been like, you know, fuck off. It's, this is my time. Yeah, it, I, I think, I mean, once he made the big pop a punt transition, it, it would have been like, oh, are you one of my freaks? Just shut the fuck up <laughs> uh, and get on your knees, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Um, but she 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 talks to Jeannie as, as, Scott, uh, as Scott walks off and she takes responsibility for the four going down at Great American Bash, which is obviously McMichael Green, uh, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. And she's terrified that McMichael is going to go crazy and hurt, really hurt somebody quite seriously. So she wants to organise a meeting to try and stop this match from going ahead. Yes, folks, um, we've got somebody trying to stop a match from going ahead. That's what every fan wants in wrestling. Oakland explains how it's all Fleur and Anderson's fault for the way that they've been acting. And Deborah asks to arrange the meeting to stop this match going ahead at the request of Oakland pacifying Deborah. So Oakland does say, yeah, don't worry. I'll, I'll be able to sort this meeting out, blah, blah, blah. And then really creepily puts at the end. And by the way, Deborah, you're looking lovely tonight. Um, Who the fuck does Mean Gene think he is? Is he little finger? <laughs> What, why is he what this is not his job his job is to interview yeah yeah and he's like yeah yeah i'll fucking do this i'll i'll go sort this out i'll go plant the seeds to stop this match from happening you know i love that game of thrones reference that's great um <laughs> but it, it makes absolutely no sense i mean he's got the mustache for it maybe not the hair no obviously a sore point for him sorry gene god bless I'd, your soul i'd love to see him pushed off a cliff <laughs> Storyline. No, no, no. Obviously, I don't, I don't want Mean Gene to be pushed off a cliff in real life, just pushed off a cliff in WCW. Um, next up, we're going to see a singles match between Diamond Dallas Page and Jim Powers. Um, Diamond Dallas Page cuts a promo at the beginning saying, I can't believe that Brian isn't using my DDPY and instead bought something licensed by Nintendo. Uh, I'm lying, obviously. This is, I, this is, <laughs> I fucking hate you because I legit thought, bloody hell, he picked up what he was saying. The subtitle was like indistinct after indistinct after indistinct. I couldn't pick up a fucking word he was saying. <laughs> and you go and turn it around and you, you fucking shoot on me, Mark. <laughs> there you go. This one, uh, this one is for the Lord of the Ring Ring, aka my precious. That's what I'm calling yeah, it. I completely missed that. But then again, I was just thinking, fucking hell, Jim Powers is still around. Fucking hell, WCW I, just giving a job for everybody now, aren't they? I didn't know who Jim Powers was, but I thought, fucking hell, he looks good. He, he was he like a, a journeyman wrestler in the 80s. He did have a few shots with WWE. Right, I see. Uh, I, I, I know of the name. Uh, never did anything spectacular. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, for someone that it, his career goes back goes back as far as 1984, I think it were, in 1983. And you know what? Pretty much 99% of wrestles were like back in, in, in those days. I mean, beds of cocaine stories and all that. Pretty sure he would have got involved in that because everybody did. No matter if, if any wrestler comes out and you know now and say, Oh, in the 80s, I never touched a drug, I'm like, Bullshit, you all mm. fucking did it. Mm. And he obviously he would have. So, you've got to take that into account. Yes, it's been 12 years, but he still looks fucking good. Yeah, full out of her. He might, be, he might be the only person that could say, You know what? I didn't take any drugs in the 80s. I'm like, Fair fuck, see you. Because you clearly didn't. 
Yeah. He doesn't yeah. look like it, dude. Real good shape. He must have um, started young as well because he still looked quite young here. Yeah, I mean, I think he's like 64 now, if I remember reading that. Because I, I, I looked, to, looked him up, I'm like, because I knew the name, but I couldn't, like, put a face to it, even though I saw a face in front of me. I'm like, you know, I, I don't really know him too well. Yeah, he's 63 years old now. So, right. yeah, and he was trained by Big John Studd. Bloody hell. And he, was, and he was with the WF from 1984 to 1994. Wow, fucking hell. Uh, championship and accomplishments, none in WWE. So there you go, that says it a lot. <laughs> that says a lot, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I mean, I, I wouldn't call him a name. He's a recognisable name at best, but... Yeah. Well, he's going to get a shot here against uh, Diamond Dallas Page. You know, his, his natural debut and he's going to be going up for my precious. Uh, and the commentary at the beginning of this match decide that they're going to just discuss Steve Mongo McMichael. Uh, Tony thinks that he's a man's man and, you know, he's a, he's a great athlete. And Larry just says that he's a coward and he sends his wife to do all his work for him. Uh, quite entertaining from them too. Couple Wait, of... who's a man's man? McMichael, apparently, to Tony. He's a man, <laughs> such a man, such a man. Sorry, every time I hear a man's man, that song just immediately comes to my head. I mean, I could be opening a jar of jam in the kitchen and I'll be struggling. I put that on YouTube and that that jar, uh, jar lid just goes pops right off straight away. I it's gonna, so empowering. I thought you were going to change the words to, it's a jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hated that theme. I fucking hated it. I, I I don't know what it is about it that I just love. I think you probably hate it because, you know, just by osmosis, because it's it's William Regal, Stephen Regal, and he should not have had that fucking gimmick. No. You know, so you probably have like a... A, a sore spot for it hmm. was me, you know. I, I love William Regal, Stephen Regal, whatever, whatever in a uh, carnation of his gimmick, you know. I loved him apart from that, but that theme, it's like you could have given that to another wrestler and it would have worked. And I don't mean like you know the gimmick, just the theme, and it probably would have worked. But yeah, I, I, I just love that theme. Just yeah. for it's just it, it, it just makes me want to chop down a tree and piss in the <laughs> sink. You that know, like re- a proper man does. That does remind me. I need to find that anthology CD set. I have that somewhere, and I, I I've been meaning to to like dig it out for ages and ages because there's some absolute bangers on there. Um, I think I lent it to somebody, and I'm not even sure I got it back, which I'll be really annoyed about. Anyway, uh, moral of the story is don't lend anything to anybody ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we. <laughs> There's a couple of pin attempts early on from Powers as DDP plays to the crowd uh, throughout this contest, more or less. I, I can't fault DDP's uh, interaction with crowd here. This is something that I've been screaming out for on this podcast for so long with so many wrestlers. DDP just nails it down. Um, DDP soon gets the advantage. Uh, lots of strikes when the opening shows itself. And Powers then, with the onslaught, more strikes, ending with a nice drop kick, but only gets That's a two solid. count. It uh, got a solid seven from me, though. It was nice. It was quite quite low in elevation, weren't it? But he managed to swing yeah. himself around so he didn't hurt himself. I'd, I'd given it an eight, but DDP just sold it spectacularly, you know, which, I mean, when you're actually measuring these kind of things, you've got to look at, like, how the, the opponent sells it as well. Yeah. And, and how the execution, the execution didn't match the sell. Yeah, yeah. But it still looked good. It mm. still looked good. And, uh, but, uh, and, that, and that is giving uh, Powers 
a little bit too much credit, I suppose, because his main offence in this match has been a roll-up. Yeah, it has. He's uh, it, it, not very good. No. Uh, and in between this this uh, two count and the end, basically, DDP just gets a diamond cutter on seemingly out of nowhere. Uh, and it's over and done with. And the winner is DDP via pinfall in four minutes and four seconds. Um, no, not a bad contest. No, it was nothing to write home about, really. Nothing. nothing a bit more contest, TV time really. for DDP, though, giving him that little push. It, it was there just to continue the push for DDP. That was it. You know, DDP looked good. Powers did not. There was a there was a rumour in the Wrestling Observer around this time that DDP was actually meant to face off against the Great Mooter at the Great American Bash. And the idea wow. is that DDP would go over. Uh, whether or not wow. Dave Meltzer is right or wrong about that one, because we have a little bit of stuff to come in the, later on in the podcast about Dave Meltzer, which we're looking forward to. So uh, <laughs> we'll reserve judgment until then. But suffice it to say, we do take everything that Dave says with a pinch of not even salt, really, is it? <laughs> every every fucking herb and spice in the kitchen, you take it a pinch with what he says. No, no, no. Some herb and spices don't get included in that because some are good. You know, we've got to make it bad. This isn't a pinch of salt. It ain't a pinch of spice. It's like a pinch of... I don't know, crabs, something bad. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that was literally the first thing that came to my head. You know, when you think herbs, you think of crabs. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, fucking Dan Meltzer. And by the way, spoiler alert, we have watched uh, The Great American Bash. He doesn't face a great muter. Uh, yes, he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there'll be news to come later on in the podcast as well about The Great American Bash and our watch along. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. Your eyes, not so much. If you're driving, obviously, you get, you get what I mean. Next up, we're going to see a video package with a thumb, Benoit and Arn Anderson. We've stopped calling More him Serpent the... Talk. <laughs> More Serpent Talk, yeah. They, I think this is a rerun from the one that they showed last week, isn't it, to be fair? It, it, it's not. It's edited a little bit different because he added a little, yeah, there's a bit of narration to it this time. Um, right. Uh, it, the only thing I've really it, noted down is that they, they've included Brian Pillman's work shoot, I Respect You Booker Man thing. Um, oh no, that was that was in last week as well. Was it? Oh, I just skipped over yeah. that then. As soon as you see Sullivan, I just go, ah, okay. Yeah. It's Next. like a WWE and <laughs> WWE Divas match. Um stick the kettle. Yeah, on. go. Go for a piss. Exactly. Next one's uh, another video package actually, which is going to highlight and showcase Conan. Uh, Oakland gives Who? a quick 50% Spanish interview. <laughs> I've actually renamed Conan. Okay, I've called I've called him Max Moonen because he's still wearing that fucking ridiculous mask, which is very Max Moon-esque, his yeah. WWE character. Yeah. So I've renamed him Max Moonen, and that is Moon, Moonen with double O double N, of course, uh, because of Conan was double N. So yeah, he's uh, Max Moonen. And speaking of that half Spanish uh, promo that we see on El Gato, the captions just call it foreign language. It's fucking Spanish. Oh, foreign language. Well played. Foreign language. Like that. That's just. That's just lazy. That's I, just have, lazy. I mean, I would have expected uh, a person that's writing the captions for the WWE Network to know Spanish, especially in America and especially in the WWE, because there's so many, there's so many like Mexican talents, there's so many people that speak Spanish that it makes sense. Yeah, and you could. You don't have to translate it to English. You can just put Spanish captions. Yeah, but if you don't. To go that far, just at least say speaks in Spanish, like fucking TV does. Yeah, no, this is just like it's just foreign language, it's Mexican, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> what a poor fucking immigrants. <laughs> well, uh, that's something else we're going to discuss uh, later <laughs> on in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> really, yeah, uh, well, got <laughs> uh, inadvertent segue. 
got to give it to Conan here. Uh, he can cut a clean promo, to be fair to him, promoting his upcoming yeah. match with uh, El Gato. Zabisco. Oh, sorry, no, it's, it's right here and it's right now, actually. Zabisco proclaims that any United States champion should be held by US citizens that have a green card. <laughs> Which is fucking brilliant. It is uh, just so fucking, like, I, I actually, like, sucked earth through my teeth, like, oh, I don't know if you can get away with that. Larry, you know, but well, apparently you did because they stuck around. Uh, <laughs> into the next match. This was during the uh, entrance for the next match, actually, which is going to be Sting versus Meng. Meng out first, sorry. So it's Meng versus Sting. My apologies. Um, plenty of strikes again from Meng with the two breaks in his offense by Sting. Uh, the very, very short comeback spots for Sting. Uh, advantage Sting when he comes off with a crossbody for just a minute but Meng again gets on top until an attempt to go to the top rope where Sting cuts him off dropping him nut first onto the rope Sting puts on the scorpion in a varying way to his normal method and this one's over rather quickly uh, and quite a surprise really considering how much we've been like blowing Meng up on the podcast the winner is Sting via submission in just over three minutes for this one yeah um it's a shame it's not an actual proper match yeah you know it's just it's there by design to uh, get Sting further over and get the, Scorp- the Scorpion Deathlock even further over. And in effect, it works. I mean, you're putting it on Meng and Meng's tapping out to it. That's a pretty big fucking deal. The only yeah. thing is, is that he could have done that on any big guy and it still would have had the effect. Mm. You know, it would have had that same effect. It didn't have to just be Meng. It could have been fucking Jim Duggan, but apparently Jim Duggan is more important than Meng, so fuck Meng. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm already shooting on Jim Duggan and we haven't even got to his match yet. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, for what it was, like, it, it wasn't a bad squash match. You know, yeah. uh, it, here's the thing with Sting. is that if he's going to be in a squash, he, he will give so much to his opponent. He will sell for the opponent first and then come back. At least give his opponent something to do. And that's always been his memo. Always, always, always. And... More people need to be like him. More wrestlers need to be like him. Just be fucking given. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Though it is Meng, and I don't think he had much of a choice, to be honest with no. you. <laughs> Meng's definitely getting his shots in, whether you like it or not. And to be fair, what you've just said there about squash match, I can't believe we're actually talking about a Meng versus Sting squash match. I know. <laughs> Bizarre. Um, but, but yeah, yeah not... had, Meng had to get his shit in, otherwise he'd make Sting chalk on his first bend. Yeah. <laughs> That's how tough Meng is. Uh we go backstage with uh, Deborah and Bobby Heenan now, and Heenan hints that Deborah has been talking to uh, Ric Flair all week anyway, so why does she want to talk to him now? They enter the horseman's dressing room, and the door slams right on Auckland's face, and Deborah shrieks before running out with her hair all dishevelled. Renegade is actually right next to the cameraman and asks Deborah if she's okay, and the horseman just, just assaults him. Like I, I, I just thought this was, was completely out of the blue, and then Tony Schiavone goes to elude that actually in the main event, it was meant to be the Horseman versus Joe Gomez and Renegade. Um, anyway, Horseman leave these guys for dead. They really go to town on them and they're not going to be able to compete later on in the show. So, well, going to face the Horseman? I'm going to say one thing. You gave that a little bit too much credit because uh, Tony Schiavone did announce that the main event would have been the Horseman versus Renegade and Joe Gomez. Yeah. And Joe Gomez is here as well, so and he gets attacked. But that's not fucking mentioned, by the way. Um, but yeah, it's you know it, it does tie it all together at least. Yeah, it does. And and it wasn't a bad segment at all. No, uh, I I do like uh, 
Heenan saying for me toots to Deborah though. <laughs> and next up is the match that Brian's been waiting for. It's Jim Duggan versus Squire David Taylor, who's come out with Jeeves. Uh, <laughs> have you got do you want to take this one <laughs> yeah uh, fuck this match I don't need notes of this I can predict it no Duggan tapes his fist and wins oh wait look at that crowd love it I want to scream that is exactly word for word what I put down oh dear uh, <laughs> I'll elaborate ma- a, a tiny little bit more uh, a match brought out of last, uh, the fallout from last week's loss to Stephen Regal uh, yeah, strikes uh, Go on. Yeah, it, this match is happening because the first he tried to do a heel thing, he's upset because a heel stopped him from doing so. That just sums up Jim Duggan to a fucking T, doesn't it? Bang on. There you go. Yeah. Um, Jim strikes. Duggan, Hulk Hogan, fucking, they're one and the same at this point. Oh, yeah. Of course they are. Strikes, time-wasting, holds anything to stop Jim from having to do much. Uh, tape fist, right hand, wins it for Duggan. I don't think that's fair, says Larry Zabisco. I fucking agree. Uh, next yep. up, we're going to see... I agree, too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's fair that Jim Duggan is taking up shots that other people can take. You know? True. And again, I don't hate the guy. I just hate this fucking performer. Yeah. I hate the wrestler. I hate the character. It's the same thing in every single match, and he doesn't look good. And the crowd, inexplicably... Well, not inexplicably, but they just fucking love it. And from the outside looking in, it's like, why? But when you're on the inside, it's just because he shouts fucking USA. Yep. That's enough. Yep. It, you know, and there's your answer to why Hulk Hogan was so fucking popular for years. It weren't because of his fucking wrestling, his gimmick, and the Hulk Prover. That was just all a bit of salt and pepper added on to the fact that he's a fucking patriot and yep. boring. You'll <laughs> never get that in the UK. You know, no. William Regal comes to the UK and he gets fucking booed for being a patriot to the UK. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean that I goes to show patriotism patriotism is just so weird. And if we didn't know that. You know, just look at what happened a couple of weeks ago. True story. True story. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, next up, video package, which is going to highlight the uh, cruiserweights mainly for Great American Bash. And then after that, we're going to see Gene Oakland with Big Bubba and Jimmy Hart. And Gene says he would have loved to have had what Bubba has in his hands, which is her still. Uh, but it's a prerequisite now because he's a bold motherfucker. Bubba just loves playing with those scissors, spinning them around like they're a gun. He's having a lot of fun with that, uh, but then he's given a microphone and he makes a complete hash of this promo by saying, apparently Big John Tenter said that he wasn't a man, but then he wasn't a fish, but he is a man. <laughs> so just really bad, but he does end it well. He does end it well. I'll give him this one and he, he does say, uh, I'll take you out with the trash at the Great American Bash and then throws the scissors in the air, which is Ooh, highly dangerous. Rhyming. And yeah, that's it. He's a, he's a rhyming barber. But uh, I, I found... Better than beefcake. <laughs> yeah, Miles better than beefcake already, just by association. But uh, I'll, I'll say one thing. I did not pay attention to this promo at all because I just looked at Big Bubba and he's looking like he's a member of the fucking village people here. Yeah, he does, yeah. It, it looks bad. But I do love Gene's closing. He just goes, Jimmy Hart and Big Bubba, nice beard. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Uh, Makes no sense, but just made me cackle, just like compliment at the end, like, that's weird. You like, can tell that this... It, um, you can all, tell... all it needed was him to do the finger point and walk walk away backwards, like, nice beard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So next up, um, I'm going to presume that that was taped because next up we're going to see Gene out at the entranceway. He's, he's ran. Uh, <laughs> but having said that, oh, no, no, there's, no. there's that, a break that, in between. That, 
no, that that wasn't pre-taped, uh, and I can't remember if there was a break in between. He's been on the fucking ring fit, dude. You know, he's fucking fit. He's got he's got that cardio going. He just ran from the, the locker room to the ramp in record time. Fair play to him. Um, Norton, Norton, Scott Norton's <laughs> gonna Scott Norton's gonna come no, out here definitely uh, quickly to allow for a recap of what happened last week with the Giant, as well as waste a bit of time because we're doing this countdown thing to hour two and we've actually we got to it like a minute early. So um Mean Gene calls Scott Norton the Flash. Yes, he does. Scott Flash yeah. Norton, yeah. No, he, he just calls him the Flash at the end. He fucks yeah, it calls up. Him the, yeah, he calls him the Flash. Yeah. I'm like, that's, we're just giving him superhero fucking names now? Yeah, it's it's like, weird because he is Scott Flash Norton. But yeah, he's not, he's not the Flash. He's no. not the Flash, Gene. <laughs> You're the Flash. You're the Flash from getting from backstage to the fucking entranceway so quickly, you fucking ex- crazy old bastard. Exactly, you're, you're fucking projecting. You're projecting. <laughs> you, 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 you're just... Concealing your actual identity. (laughs) So Norton is... You know what? Actually, fair play to him. Living the gimmick. You know, that's fucking kayfabe right there. Good stuff, Min Gene. You fucking almost had me. You almost had me. So Norton Norton is out here because he's getting a world title shot against the Giant after the fallout from last week. So WCW World of Championship match. The Giant with Jimmy Hart versus Scott Norton. And while the giant is walking in, someone has a sign that says the Dungeon of Dumb. And I approve of this <laughs> message. <laughs> Strice. That, that is a really dumb sign, but it made me chuckle. Yeah. And the guy stood there as well. He's like six foot six, really gaunt, and just doesn't look like he wants to be there, to be perfectly honest. I don't know if he was holding like his son's or his daughter's sign while they've gone to the toilet, but. No, nah, it, it was definitely his, and he wrote it in crayon. It was Kevin Sullivan's dad <laughs> stood there with a sign that says Dungeon of Dumb. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan's just going to come out and say, Dad, all I ever did was try to make you proud. <laughs> right. You fucking seriously had me going right there because I thought you said it was Kevin Sullivan's dad. I'm like, wait, what? It was? No, no. I just made that up. He's too, fu- it, too fucking tall to be his dad. There's, <laughs> there's no way somebody that tall could father. I mean, we need to come up with a new name for him than the human thumb. Well, that's what like, happens at the end. The, the guy he fixes his dad just turns around and says, you're adopted. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Sullivan. Wow. He doesn't deserve all this. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's fucking shit. <laughs> Love you, Kev. Sorry. <laughs> uh, right. Into the match. Uh Strikes from Norton do absolutely nothing to the Giant. There's a running power wow. slam from the Giant, and the Giant actually falls over. Um, gives it a little bit more effect, I suppose, but I, I, I don't think from this point that the Giant's supposed to be coming off his feet at all. Um, he gives him a boot to the throat in the corner, uh, but strikes from Norton as he makes a comeback. Don't have any effect again, but once again, the Giant just gets a boot up, and that's Norton just sort of fucking seeing stars. On the outside, Norton attempts a close line but misses and hits the ring post. Uh, there's a choke slam on the outside, which was much better than the one he gave to Rick Steiner last week. And it's over. The winner is the Giant via pinfall after he obviously throws him back in the ring in one minute and 42 seconds, which... Well, uh, yeah. A lot better than last week. I yeah. mean, it, it, it was a squash, but it wasn't a fucking burial. No, it wasn't. You know, at least Scott Norton actually did something. Uh, yeah. It's just a shame that... Uh, firing ice, I will say it correctly this time because obviously I have problems. You know, I've obviously got ass on the brain, haven't I? I've got ass brain. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it doesn't really do much for firing that. Fire, we did it though. 
fucking hell, Brian. This that was worth it. <laughs> All that build up. Like, I'm not going to get it wrong. I'm not going to get it wrong. Got it wrong. <laughs> that's tickled me. That was fucking right. Hell. This is turning into a two Ronnie's fucking segment right now, isn't it? <laughs> Fire and ice. Fire and ice. Uh, oh, God. Fire and ice. Yeah, it does very little for them going into a pay per view with the Steiners, which is. Supposed to be a big match. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, take the rough with a smooth. Better than last week. Well, Therefore. at the end of this, at the end of this match, uh, Luger's straight out and attempts an assault on the Giant, but it doesn't last that long. Uh, Giant clears the VIP table as they go to the outside, hinting at a chokeslam like he did a few weeks ago. But Luger manages to get a low blow on a champagne bucket just on the uh, small of the neck, and the Giant beats a hasty retreat to the back. Uh, Alex goes to the commentary desk and, and says something about, oh, the giant can hurt, apparently. Well, it's 1-1 one, one now. Some, 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 whatever. Right, you, um, you glossed over it, and I glossed over it. That was probably the best promo he's ever done. I think it probably was, yeah. yeah. It, you know, I mean, it, it didn't scuff up any words. No. Um, and, you know, it was fiery, and it was coherent. Hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it was by any means his fucking Austin 316, but, you know, it, it could have been if he went on a little bit longer and just added a bit more. But obviously, that's not what WCW does. It's just like, sustain to get to the point and you're out of there. Yeah. Yeah, baby steps for Lex. He's, uh, he's improving. Uh, next up, we're going to see a oh, single... don't say baby steps to Luger. Now I'm just seeing a fucking... A baby with Luger's face just walking around, <laughs> like, you know, just wa- walking around, bumping on his ass. <laughs> with that mullet. Yeah. She's tied into a ponytail now, which I remember you saying he actually looks better with the ponytail. Yes, definitely. Mm. Next up, st- uh, singles match with Lloyd Stephen Regal, uh, accompanied by Jeeves, versus a debuting Billy Kidman. And fuck me, how young does Kidman look here? Jesus yeah, he's so- Christ. Right, I- I've given him a new name because he's wearing blue tights. And a jacket- <laughs> he's debuting and you're giving him a new name already. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. It's a compliment. It's a compliment. Right. It's a compliment. Hear me out, right? It's very young looking. And I mean, he looks like he's 16 here. He does. I mean, he's that young and he's pro- and he obviously isn't 16. He's older. Uh, but he's wearing a jacket with lightning bolts on and blue tights. And I just called him the one, two, three Kidman. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's very Sean, uh, Sean Waltman-like. Yeah. And yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh... That you was only quite dull because I thought that you would have popped at that. I... <laughs> this podcast means nothing to me anymore. I'm going to military school. <laughs> Just like Vince. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, actually, when you said there that, 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 that Kidman, um, well, Kidman must, must have been whatever age he was. I don't know. Like The watch-alongs that we've done, we've seen people you know, working in WCW that are clearly like nine years old. You know, <laughs> people fucking like the key grips and shit. You're like, that's a kid. Why is he not in the crowd? What's he doing? He's working. What the fuck's going on in WCW? Hiring <laughs> yeah. all these kids on three dollars for a night. Yeah, just you imagine that a fucking nine year old girl is on the cameras, and then Kenny Omega just comes out of nowhere, like, yeah, fucking the triggers, you fucker. <laughs> you know, I, I, you, you laugh at that, but. He literally had a match with like a nine-year-old girl or something in Japan. Fucking hell! I am not. Fu- I am not kidding you. And it was all course, you're over there and all that. And you know, 
the young girl took a fucking beating, but she had some good offense to give her a due. Wow. But yeah, DDT Pro, very weird promotion. <laughs> I'll have to see if I can find a video of that. I mean, for fuck's sake, uh, who who was it that wrestled a bloke doll? Um, I feel uh, like that's happened a few times. Uh, yeah, that was actually a legit wrestler as well, the bloke doll. I can't remember the uh, name. Who was it now? Holy fuck. I- I'm going to be so embarrassed. When I uh, when I find out who this is, uh, wrestler versus what up doll. My Yoshi search history is gonna. That's the doll, Koto Ibushi. Ah. Now I'm definitely embarrassed. How could I not remember that name? Yeah, <laughs> Koto Ibushi versus Yoshi. He called the bloke doll. <laughs> I have I've I've seen the bloke doll thing a few times now. Um, yeah. That's actually quite a fun match as well. All right, and literally the next result down, Kenny Omega on wrestling nine-year-old girl and blow up doll. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he actually wrestled the blow up doll as well. Yeah, that didn't happen on TV. Jesus Christ. Well, guess what my fucking Friday night is going to be? Fucking trying to find videos of that. Uh, Sorry. Christ. Hey, I, just, I, I just shot on Kenny Omega when I actually like the dude. <laughs> He's a good wrestler. And as I said, yeah, he didn't wrestle that bloke doll on TV. I'm just fucking poking holes in his sex life now. Fucking hell. I've not had anything to drink. I've just had coffee. No, this is a this is an early recording for us as well. I've, so I've, had, no I've had coffee. I have had coffee and Lemsip. And I think the Lemsip's fucking, you know, hit me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing I've wrote about Billy Kidman is he's the biggest overachiever in the history of the world, let alone wrestling. Because that's basically what everybody calls him on podcasts. Just oh, yeah, because he married Tori Wilson. Yeah. Um, Regal actually took a lot of punishment from Kidman here, uh, which, going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, if it is a squash, at least Sting allows the other person to get a lot of shit in. Uh, Regal, he takes so much from Kidman here, and Kidman does really, really well, up until yes. he attempts a 450 splash. <laughs> the, the much debated Nitrogen podcast uh, 450 splash that Kidman... Um, well, he lands on his head. It, yeah, he <laughs> chins which it, doesn't by it? The, Yeah, which, by the way, Eric says, he landed right on his head, which Ren says, oh, that's okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's just debuted and fucking heen on his hand and going Oh, uh, God. Land over your head. You know, that's the way you are in this business. You land on your head. You get fucking concussed. Like, this is how old school people do it, you know. Yeah, I mean... Uh, you, you come to the locker room with knife and guns. This is how men used to fucking settle disputes back in the day. Oh. Right, sorry. I, I didn't really want to bring this up. Fuck you, Undertaker. If that's your philosophy, fuck you. Did you actually see that yesterday? I did see it, yeah. Yeah, I think you were on Joe Rogan's podcast, and I think that's what he said Said on it. It rather that it's just like something that's just come out quite recently, but I know he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and anybody that's listened to Joe Rogan for anything... Any, any longer time than 30 seconds knows it's there's no limits and yeah he fucking goes hard as Undertaker like mm. on old school values and crusty old men in the business and how they settle disputes and all oh, the people who do these days of the locker room is play video games and they're not real men anymore it's like you were eyeliner mate and it's better than fucking doing drugs and cheating on your wives you know fucking, you, fucking yourself up in your personal life and your career as well you know I mean a guy, a wrestler legit died because he got stabbed in a shower and you are promoting the ideals of bringing knives to the workplace. Fuck off, Mark. Yeah, he kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah he, he's, real, he's really showing his colours. 
Hasn't he? Uh, See, I don't believe I don't I don't believe this ideology that like that, that wrestling's all clean and and everything like that now. Like, you know, I, I, I know it, it, I know I've said it before. Like, we've, we've seen Paige get gangbanged by three men. You know, yeah. like there's absolutely no way that wrestling is clean and like nobody's cheating and nobody's doing this. Yeah, right, there's probably less drugs, but yeah. But my point is though, it's like if that is your main takeaway, you're complaining about fucking wrestlers playing with playing video games in the locker room. It's like, well, at least maybe you don't know that they're fucking hitting on other women, but at the very least, at the very, very minimum, they're not fucking snorting lines and getting absolutely bladdered on on alcohol and yeah. fucking becoming reliant on it. I mean, that's a roundabout way of saying they're becoming alcoholics or like that, but whatever fucking wrestlers were doing in the 80s, you know, they're actually, are at the very least, trying to look after their bodies a lot better. And if that's yeah. your fucking main gripe, then, you know, check yourself. Check How- yourself before you wreck yourself. We could go down a fucking rabbit all about this, really, couldn't we? Because yeah. I mean, that, this is where the rock and wrestling thing comes into into play as well. Because, like, rock stars, prime example, Motley Crue, massive, right? You look at all the shit that they did back in the fucking day. It's exactly the same oh, yeah. in wrestling. All the shit that they did, and that's when wrestling was at its peak. Now, rock music's fucking struggling because everybody's clean and polite and friendly, whereas back when everybody was a fucking cunt, <laughs> rock music was ace, <laughs> like. All the good stuff happened. So I can see that similarity between the two. And maybe, yeah. I don't know if The Undertaker's trying to trying to get over the fact that the WWE is, you know, this clean, safe haven of, of professionals now to try and, you know, make it so that people understand that the business has changed or whether he's just bitter that it has gone this way and that wrestling is probably never going to get to the heights that it was in, in, in well... The verbiage the verbi- is... The verbiage is... From 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 what I was reading, it weren't anything really about how the business has changed. It's about how the people have changed, and he, he doesn't like it. Right. He doesn't like it. He's saying there's no real men left in wrestling. It's like, fuck off with your hyper-masculinity, mate. I mean, just because they're not bringing knives and guns to the locker room doesn't mean they aren't real men because you said so. And as, as it got pointed out, and as I'll point out, you fucking wore eyeliner, and I know it was to get your gimmick over. You could have got your gimmick out over it without the eyeliner, but you, store, you still wore it, and, you know, and you, you're calling people, like, you know, not real men and, and all this shit because, you know, they don't, they don't do what the old guard used to do. Come on, dude! Fucking get a grip. I mean, well, if you want the bit, if you want people to look after themselves and not have fucking dodgy knees and make a good living, then you really should be promoting these healthier lifestyles rather than ha- taking issue with it. Yeah, you think a guy like the Undertaker, who's been through the fucking, you know, been through almost all of it, wakes up every morning with fucking knee aches and shit like that. You'd think, well, if they can take care of themselves and still, you know, put on a fucking good show, then more power to them. But yeah, it just seems better to me. Um, yeah, and I mean, I mean let, let's face it, right? If uh, if CM Punk weren't uh, weren't uh, a teetotaler, you know, straight edge, and he, you know, he he'd had years of substance abuse. That match at WrestleMania 29, which people still fawn over, I still say, okay, it was good, but it was a botch fest by both. It wouldn't be remembered as well if he was, a, you know. Reliant on on drugs and alcohol, it wouldn't be remembered as much, uh, yeah. you know, as such. So you gotta, you know, Undertaker, you know, be thankful that CM Punk, albeit not greatly, you know, pretty well, but not greatly, still carried you to a fucking decent match. Hmm. And your last decent match at WrestleMania, might I add? Yeah, yeah. 
you know, and I'm not including John Cena. That was just you hitting all, all the hallmark spots. It wasn't a match. You know, your match against Brock Lesnar, okay, not your fault. You got seriously hurt. The match against Bray Wyatt, mm-hmm, need I say more? You've not had a good match. No, I, I'm not just at WrestleMania, just in general, you've not had a good match since. You've had okay matches, you've not had good matches. And you can find, find the heavens that, you know, that there were people in the, at that time that could still drag you to good matches. I mean, Triple H did it two years in a row, and he's a complete teetotaler. You know, I mean, he, he, he dragged you to two good fucking matches, you know, and Shawn Michaels, a clean Shawn Michaels, you know, albeit with fucked up back and knee, you know, helped, you know, I won't say dragged you, but you had great chemistry and had a good match. I mean, you were, you didn't get that against fucking uh, Jack Gonzalez, for fuck's sake. Hmm. Or, or even Ric Flair. He was, you know, it was okay, but it weren't a brilliant match. You know, I mean, here, here's the sad thing about Undertaker. People don't remember those first, what, 16 WrestleMania matches. They remember Kane and Undertaker at WrestleMania 14, you know, for, you know, because it was a good story. But they don't really remember anything specific about that match. They don't remember, you know, you against Diesel. They don't remember him against fucking anybody, really, up until around WrestleMania 17 when he faced Triple H. And then he had this sequence of, you know, well, he had, he had the streak, you know, I won't say he had good matches. And then suddenly in his later career, he had good matches, which weren't all down to him. No. I mean, take, the, take the rough with the smooth. Take I mean, the rough the, with the smooth. It's, you've got to be thankful that wrestlers are looking after themselves a lot better because this is how the business is going to continue to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, d- doing this, th- this, I didn't know some of the, a lot of the cheesy shit that the Undertaker's in at this moment in time, when we're going through the results and stuff like that, like being going to sleep in caskets and and his casket being fucking you know trashed by Diesel and shit like that. And obviously, I've watched little bits of it, and it just it just I can see why people don't remember it because they, they don't want to. <laughs> but you're right. The the further on, obviously not on not not the past three or four years because he's been fucking dog shit, but um the further on, like you said, from probably 17 onwards, um, that's when The Undertaker was the fucking, probably the pinnacle of, of wrestling, weren't he? So. Yeah, that's when they really caught on to like, oh shit, you know, yeah, it lost at WrestleMania, let's make a thing out of it. Yeah. And it became bigger than any title in, in the industry, mm. you know, and it ended uh, not with a bang, but with, uh, well, with a concussion. There you go. You know, um, and... I mean, I have tons of respect for the character of The Undertaker. I just have a, a very little respect to Mark Calloway now. Just, uh, he, he really has shown his true colors. And this is something that I always feared about The Undertaker not being The Undertaker anymore. Is that he, he would, a lot of these things would come out, a lot of his about his personal life, you know, would, would come out that are unsavory and really sour me on the guy. And unfortunately, he's kind of embraced this. And he's embraced it so fucking much He's had uh, what a four-part documentary podcast, well, not podcast, one podcast appearance, and you know, and just being more outspoken on Twitter. And it's like Jesus Christ! I mean, sad reality, really. But hmm. I mean, it also should be expected, hmm. you know. Well, that's that's the rant about the Undertaker out of the way. <laughs> yeah, it. it, it, it if you if you want to fast forward and all that, we could always give you a time time stamp to, to fast forward to. <laughs> and I'll, I, you know, uh, too long didn't listen. Fuck Mark Calloway. Yeah. 
Right. So to finish this match that went 57 seconds, although you wouldn't think so, um, <laughs> Regal won it with uh, kind of like a variation of a line tamer. He actually, what I liked about Regal here is that obviously Kidman's head bounced off the mat, but he did. It was his, it was his chin, really. Uh, it was kind of yeah. like he was going to get rug burn from his from you know fucking this up, really. Um, and what I liked about Regal is that he actually steps on Kidman's head, knowing that he's sort of injured. Not injured. He's all right, but. They know there was an impact to the head that looks good for TV, so he steps on his head uh, during the submission, which I, I kind of liked. And yeah, 57 seconds, and Regal's going to be the winner by his submission. Um, Regal doesn't release the hold, and this sees Sting out for the second time tonight to give Regal his retaliation to the backhand the other week. Sting says, uh, you won't go slapping me again. And Regal, in that British slapstick comedy way, sells the slap with fear and shock, slowly getting to his feet. And... Um, getting the old boxer paws on and saying, come on, man, come on. <laughs> awesome I, stuff. I told, so I told good. You to my fisticuffs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, what what can you say about the guy? He's just so fucking good. And you have again, to be well-versed in British TV comedy for this, for, to understand what Regal's doing here. And I don't think many Americans either A, wanted to understand it or B, um, had ever seen anything that kind of made sense, made this make sense to him, if you know what I mean. So this, yes. they've seen this through unique eyes, like brand spanking new, but this is like an amalgamation of so many British TV characters. Well, um, I, I will counterpoint that because I obviously have a lot of American friends who appreciate William Regal for his comedy. Uh, one person in particular, who friend of the podcast, DC Matthews, um, longtime friend of mine, William Regal is his all-time favorite wrestler. And we have had long-form discussions on Twitter about William Regal, and it's a slapstick comedy. And he had, he, will, he will say that, you know, it wasn't a thing in the US, but the, the fact that it was unique and it was this style and it was so over the top and like a cartoon to them, it, it just, it perpetuated a British stereotype that doesn't really exist. Yeah. But... He really enjoyed it, not because it perpetuates a British stereotype, not that, not that he thinks that this is what we're like. It's just good, funny shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's simply it. And you'll find a lot more Americans appreciate William Regal for that. You know, it, it's he's amplifying a British stereotype, but they're not seeing it as such. It's just they're, they're actually just seeing it as a heel doing comedy stuff. Hmm. And... It just works. It, it just works. And I think it's a universal universal style. I love it. I think it's fucking brilliant. I mean, we we so appreciate yeah, we appreciate it because you know, we know that it perpetuates a British stereotype and you know we we're, we're not so picky about our culture in that way. We actually appreciate our culture, you know, because we know what what a lot of what this stuff where this stuff comes from and it's the shit that we you know that everyone enjoyed in the 70s and the 80s and even further back than that you yeah. know and still some stuff that we we see on tv today not a lot mind because it's kind of like a, a a dead art but you know there's still these little bits of that you know i mean i i, I mean go go and watch the it crowd or the it crowd however you call it there, there was some slapstick stuff in that and that was what like 2007 2008 when that finished yeah. something like that you know there, there is slapstick comedy and there's obviously a bit in in um, in Red Dwarf as well. Mm. You know, I mean it. It's a dying art, but 
you see the likes of William Regal doing that, and it just you know, it just makes me wish he was still a wrestler yeah. or still just still taking bumps like this, or still doing the comedic characters, the general manager of NXT, because I think as time goes on, people will appreciate that more because it's so rare. Yeah, particularly British people. And I liked him to have had a prodigy um, for, for for somebody to take to sort of take under his wing. Um, and well, sort of he have did that. kind he did kind of have that in WWE with Tajiri. Yeah, and, and, and I mean Tajiri, I mean you haven't one of the funniest funniest things that I've I've ever seen in 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 wrestling. One of the funniest things, and it's so fucking simple, and it's so slapstick. Is Tajiri. And we Regal having back and forth, like they understanding each other, one speaking English and one speaking Japanese. And it, it's brilliant. It's just so brilliant. Tajiri didn't need to say a single word in English to get that over. And another funny, funny segment was uh, in uh, whilst William Regal was commission, commissioner in the WF, he goes into his, into his office looking for Tajiri and he just lifts up the, uh, the night armor. You know that he had in the corner, and he yeah. just lifts up the lid on it, and Tajiri's not inside it. <laughs> I mean, he did kind of have like that that prodigy thing with him, but it was just short lived. Yeah, yeah, that was the only thing. And then, and, and I know we tried it again with Eugene, but I mean, it's fucking Eugene. Yeah. We're ever going to be anything special? But... I mean, it just would have been. It would have been good to have like a British. If, if Doug, if Doug Williams would have come around ten years later. And he was oh, still around yes. now. Imagine that, like Will Regal as as fucking Doug Williams' manager, and and, and Doug Williams is the fucking prodigy because he had he had that swagger, but he didn't have that um, slapstick comedy oh. appeal. Uh, he did have it. He, he actually did try this. Um, obviously, this was a down period for me watching wrestling, and obviously a down period for you, and probably for many others as well. But I think it like two thousand. 2008, 2009, maybe a little bit earlier than that. He did actually have a prodigy. Um, it was that guy, that British guy, obviously British. Uh, he did eventually become a pirate because Vince McMahon heard of Pirates of the Caribbean and thought it was like the best shit ever. So he had to have a pirate on TV. Paul Birchall. Paul Birchall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he did become his prodigy on TV, but it, again, it were very short lived. But yeah, this is something that really should have happened. Hmm. Like, and, and it's not like we were sure of these British wrestlers that could have actually done that, did that role. You know, it, again, you you said the Williams, and that that is the answer. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, the answer. It's such a shame that, that that idea comes around like too late when they they both they both retired now, aren't they? So maybe there'll be uh, another one because I don't. Regal's not going anywhere, is he? He's set for life up at WWE, and and yeah, you know, he's he's still, well, he's not a young uh, lad anymore. But what is he in, in his fifties now? Right, early yeah, 50s? something like that. Yeah, so there's plenty of you know, plenty of years left in tank. Yeah, I mean, if, if we could get to a point where he becomes a manager on TV again, it doesn't have to be on WTV. It could be, it, it could be on NXT itself, and just bring somebody over from NXT UK that yeah. could do, you know, fill that role. Um, you know, Tyler Bates gone missing, uh, but and, and so was uh, um, uh, Dan Severin, uh, not Dan Severin, uh, uh, Trent Seven, fucking Dan Severin, that's different. Uh, Trent Seven, but they, they they do have that that swagger, and they could actually pull that kind of character off. But yeah. fortunately, their their careers have hit a sidetrack for the time being. Uh, then again, it might not have been watched NXT UK for a while, so they might be back. But you know, we're not short of people that could do that, that character. Yeah, 
with William Regal as a manager. It, it would really, really work. That's a real good shout. Real good yeah. shout. We'll have to live in hope. We'll have to live in hope. I think I think he's really happy doing his minimalist minimalist role on NXT as a general manager and uh, going home to stroke his lizards because that's what he's heavily into these days. <laughs> I know I sounded so fucking wrong. It, let it be known, William Regal, he, he has you know an interest in reptiles and he owns several lizards. And apparently he likes to one one of the one of his favorite things in the world is to go home and pet his lizards. <laughs> that sounds a little bit better, but it you know, that's not a plural. Lizards. Oh god. Just so fucking Could you could you imagine <laughs> William Regal fucking tuning this podcast? You know, uh, William Regal likes to go home and stroke his lizard. Oh my <laughs> <laughs> oh, So no. we're making it homoerotic this time rather than WCW making it homoerotic this time. Rather than Stephen Regal making it homoerotic homoerotic. He, he fucking started this last week <laughs> yeah true <laughs> that's oh, downright bloody rude well we'll get we'll get back onto this um onto this episode of nitro the next one yeah we, we, we want we, to avoid we, this we, don't we yeah we, i was just about to say we do, do not want to talk about public enemy Ugh. and the nasty boys really do it which no. by the way you know it's just canon that i don't write public anymore public enemy anymore you know i, I have done here but uh i, I did actually correct it afterwards and you know it, it's not public enemy it's pubic enemy now yeah yeah uh, i made that error once and it's just stuck with me well this is going to get 11 and a half minutes which is infuriating by itself um the notes i've got again sorry guys fuck this shit sags no sells whatever offense rock was trying to give him on the outside at the end because he wanted to hit somebody in the head with a bin rock just falls to the floor and for no fucking reason the bin is used, disqualification. Apparently, public enemy just got nastasized. That's not even a word, you toothless inbred prick. Winner, public enemy by disqualification, as I've just said, in 11 minutes, 30 seconds. I'm going to presume that Brian didn't write much for this. <laughs> um, no. No. No, the, the, the only thing that I have a way to take away from this was... Well, Eric trying to protect Johnny Grunge by saying his timing is off tonight. Have you watched him before? You know, it just he, he protected him saying he's got a broken hand. It, that is not why his timing's off, by the way. I bet, I bet his timing's not off when he goes home and has a wank with that broken hand. The guy's <laughs> the guy is just shit at wrestling. So uh, fuck off, Eric, with that shit. But when uh, Rock or Rock comes back, uh, leaves and comes back with a trash can, Brain says he's carrying his lunchbox. And that, you know, that just sums up the public enemy. I you know, miss to that. me, but yeah, he's carrying his lunchbox. <laughs> Fucking brilliant line, absolutely brilliant. I, it, we 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 said it a million times. Bobby Heenan, just the best. He yeah. is just the best. Yeah, but yeah, that 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 match ended in a DQ. Even though there was other moves in the match that were DQ worthy, and it went nine minutes fucking long. Mm. You know, all the squash matches, all the really short matches, and you give the public fucking enemy and nasty boys nine minutes. Yeah, it's not on. Not on. You know, the second longest match on this show. Yeah. Get to fuck. Just uh, just for reference, uh, cagematch.net gives, obviously, anything over five minutes you can rate, the public can rate, and this uh, 11 minutes 30 says, not recommended. <laughs> so, And that's not even via votes. It's just people have not voted at all because he's that fucking shit. So, 
We'll not stand on ceremony. It's a Hogan video package next. So actually, you could tune out for like 20 minutes of this Nitro and not miss anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was actually thinking about this even now when I was just like lying in bed and I had nothing to do, thinking about Hulk Hogan. Uh, wow. <laughs> no. I, 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 I actually wasn't, you know. Uh, I, I was actually thinking about these packages because I'd, I'd watched it and uh, I, I watched it without taking notes previous and then I came back to watch it last night to yeah. take notes. And... I'll think about it. I've been pissing them on about these Hulkamania packages, but this is actually a really fucking good build to what's to come because every week, this is like the third week in a row now, they've actually shown the same video package and they're just basically saying Hulkamania is still running wild. Yeah. Now, as much as I hate these, as much as I hate them, he's coming back to turn heel. Yeah. If you're watching this in 1996, you are not expecting that. Just If, if somebody told you that Hulk Hogan was going to turn heel without this without these packages. You'd be like, "Fuck off!" Of course he's not. But if you say if, if someone says to you with these promo packages that, "Oh yeah, he's going to turn heel," nobody in the world would fucking expect that. Yeah, yeah. They would they'd be looking at this as like clearly. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I, I nearly coughed while I was saying that. Apologies, guys. You know, clearly, clearly. <laughs> You know, he's coming back as a face. He's coming back and it's all systems go as, you know, just, you know, starting where he left off. This yeah. is really fucking good stuff by WCW. So I, did. I, I will forgive them for, you know, beating us over the head with these promo packages. Yeah, that's why I've not really slagged up. Well, I've, I've slagged off the, the, the Sullivan one. But to be fair, the... This is this has happened at the same times as, as Scott Hall's coming, so it's essentially updating the audience that's now coming in to what we've got on offer in WCW. Um, that's the way I've seen it. But yeah, it triggered in my head as well about these video packages. Like, actually, they have a place uh, and they're there to do what they're doing. Uh, once you know, once the Bash at the Beach arrives, that's it. It's fucking. It's game. These video packages are fucking done and dusted. They're gone. They're not going to fucking yeah. need them anymore. Um, but then, obviously, next we get a, a, a Michael Green Horseman Heenan video recap as well, updating people ah, what's going on with that as well. Ah, ah, ah. Mon Green. Mon Green, yeah, apologies. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. um, into yeah, the main that, event. That music, that music, by the way, fucking Benny Hill esque. I didn't hear the music. I don't think I heard the music. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was very weird music. I won't, I won't say anywhere. It weren't like that, but it had like the the same. Uh, the same feel about it like yeah. just like it it belonged on a on a sketch show a comedy sketch show it didn't belong on this promo package where Mon Green are talking tactics and lifting weights and savages <laughs> coming in going, oh yeah you I'm gonna cut you and all this shit it just it doesn't feel it doesn't fit the feel for what they're building to yeah I just found it, it so misplaced I should have but, said as well, Macho does come in on this video package as well. Yeah. But and I, I really need to stop with the Macho impressions because that <laughs> really hurt my throat. Well, this is uh, this is going to lead into the main event, which is the WCW World Tag Team titles on the line again. Uh, Lex Luger and Sting. Sting is a third showing on this show, who are the champions versus Owen Anderson and Ric Flair. Um, obviously, it's for the titles. Originally, it wasn't because obviously it was Renegade and Joe Gomez. Uh Miss Elizabeth and woman have obviously, obviously come out with the horseman. Flair, after he takes off his pink robe, bounces straight over to Sting and shoves him. Sting shoves him back and Flair, as standard, sells big for it. Um, 
Lex and Flair start off strikes do nothing to Lex. Gorilla Press slam pops the crowd massive. They got really, really audible after this. Um, Lex in control until an elbow drop is missed, which he actually bumped superbly, I thought. Uh, <laughs> I say that because Lex just doesn't do this stuff well. Orin no. tags in. Lex takes a little punishment, but manages to hold a rope and tag Sting in, in a very quick hot tile type. Hot tile? Hot tag type hot style. Tile. Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> Silky smooth back and forth with Sting and Orin results in Sting bulldogging Orin, sending Fleur off and delivering a gorilla press. Um, Fleur grabs chairs on the outside to slow it down while Orin gets a breather. Uh, Fleur is tagged in after a short break. Lots more talking about McMichael, uh, Mongreen, sorry, Mongreen, who, um, <laughs> the latter of which appeared on Jay Leno last week, which I should actually go on YouTube, to be honest. Uh, Stinger splash attempt misses on Fleur, Fleur up top, but he's thrown off. Sting with a top rope clothesline and Arn defaults the resulting pin attempt. Sting taking much of the punishment now, build, building heat for the horseman and simmering that potential hot tag that should come. A couple of pin attempts by Sting with the referee nowhere to be found at times as Heenan declares that he's going to ringside and Bischoff tells him to heal and stay like a dog. Uh, Heenan actually offers <laughs> Heenan offers Bischoff fifty dollars to allow him to go to ringside. Yes. <laughs> he's, like, he's literally like, "Please let me go to ringside, please. I'll give you fifty bucks." Like fucking begging. Brilliant like, stuff. So God, he's not your boss. Just get you're a heel. Just go to ringside. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bribery. Fantastic stuff. Uh, that's just as we're going Only to a break. He- only um, he could get away with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no way Zabisco's doing the same thing, is he? No fucking chance. Absolutely not. Uh, we come back from the break with Flair on the top, uh, sorry, on top on the outside with Sting. Uh, there's some smooth work from the horseman as Sting powers out of a pin into a backside, backslide, but they tag in and out, that being uh, Arn and Flair. Sting finally gets that hot tag to Lex that just goes instantly cold because Lex just comes into the ring, walks over and does nothing. Uh, he absorbs a few chops, but then he starts picking it up. There's a pin attempt at two while the fans' attention is diverted. Uh, and here comes the giant. The horsemen are out of the ring thanks to Lex and a double clothesline, and the referee has thrown it out because the giant's stirring down Lex. Lex is down. Steiner um, Steiner comes in with a wooden chair. Yes, the wooden chair. Again, Sting, Steiner, and Lex treble team giant who is being begged by Jimmy, who is on his knees, not to fight. And the giant obliges. Uh, leaving the ring and Team WCW stand tall. The end of this match is going to be the winners, Sting and Luger, via disqualification. So obviously the titles stay around Sting and Luger's waist. 18 minutes and 34 seconds given to this. Um, what did yeah, you think it, to that main? It was it, it was what you expected. It had all the high marks of a uh, Sting, Rick Flair, or any combination of these, of these four people in the ring together. It just... And I'm not saying that as a bad thing, you know, it, it was just standard fare, you know, something that we've seen over and over and over again, and it always works. It always works. It, it, it always has something, you know, you, you, they're just not bad matches. Yeah. But they're not, they're not spectacular. I will say one thing as well about this, like uh, that, that disqualification, you know, the match being thrown out, pathetic. And I say this because it's thrown out, without the giant actually touching anybody. Now, as far as I'm aware, that, that match is still still goes until outside interference is physical. Yeah. Not just somebody turning up. Luger hits him, and then the match is thrown out. You know, I just, like, please, for the love of God, WCW, know what your rules are. 
You know, it, it's just one of those little gripes that just really annoy me. But it didn't take anything away from the match, so, you know, who cares? But as you were running down the match, I forgot to actually interject and tell you something that uh, Heenan says on uh, on the commentary, because Eric's questioning, questioning him if uh, if he can still manage after all these years. Yeah, he I did hear that. I just didn't know. Yeah, and, and yeah, and says, Brain, uh, Brain says, uh, you don't forget to ride a bike or do the cha-cha. <laughs> and all, all I wanted from that is just to see Brain actually do the cha-cha. <laughs> Because that is a great visual. <laughs> does he not say something like "You don't know how to be with a beautiful woman" as well? Something yes, like it does follow. It does follow it up with that as well. Yeah, uh, which also reminds me of something that Rick Flair said in the entrance. He, as he's coming out, he, he talks to the camera. He says to Max, your um, Randy Savage, he says, "Only women make great lovers." Now, doesn't that kind of undermine his claim to have slept with over a thousand women? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they're, they're only sleeping with you because you've got money then Rick aren't they you know it's not about your sexual prowess <laughs> oh dear um, yeah. a lot of fun stuff yeah the, the end of this uh, sees Giant with uh, Oakland promising that Lex was going to go out of the bash on a stretcher uh, it's just a really quick interview basically just giving a little bit more promotion to the um, to the main event title shot that Lex is going to get at the Great American Bash uh, and here we cut back to the commentators and Heenan this is just fucking gold again Heenan goes absolutely ballistic once the camera cuts onto the commentators fuming that the macho uh, fuming at the macho man uh, and that he doesn't want to get hurt he uses excuses like I wear glasses and all sorts you can't hit a man wearing glasses uh, he then diverts his eyes like something's caught his eye and he just puts his head down, headset down and leaves Bischoff fucking, rather, rather you, bemused you. says you're literally backpedaling just as Scott Hall rolls, rolls up to Bischoff. Uh, right, you, you glossed over that. You just said he leaves. He fucking bolts. <laughs> he does bolt, yeah. He does. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he don't just get over and he's like, yeah, I'm out here. He's like, fuck this shit, I'm off. He sees what's coming, puts the headset down, and he's gone. Um, Bischoff puts his headset down and grabs a proper microphone so the crowd can hear. And he says, so where's this big surprise? And up skulks Diesel, a.k.a. Kevin Nash. Um, he, he runs... Uh, the, the promo that I, I absolutely fucking love. Um, and yes, uh, as, as Brian has pointed out before we started recording, he, he does, he does, he does fuck up a, a tiny little bit. What, what did you say? He, he, he doesn't know his, um, he doesn't English. know his adjectives from his verbs. That's the one. Yeah. You know, cause um, he says, this is where the big boys play her. Huh? Look at the adjective play plays a verb. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's one of the, he's one of the smartest minds in wrestling, but he doesn't know English grammar. You know that that shit we learned in U one. Yeah, that's true. Get yeah. it together, Kevin. Come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, he runs down this it, promo, which is just uh, it's synonymous now with with, with WCW history, uh, and that adjective play a bit is just so it's just played all the fucking time. He mentions his uh, he mentions is it Marge Shot who. Uh, reading excerpts from Mein Kampf, she was actually I, like an, I, uh, an Adolf Hitler sympathizer back in back in the day. I don't know because when he says that, uh, nah, it, it just says this show is about as interesting as indistinct. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yep. <laughs> Fire the indistinct caption guy. T-shirt <laughs> <laughs> coming soon. I'm not even fucking joking because even I know. If you know your history, you know who my shot is. But fuck me sideways. Uh, other stuff he gets really fucking into it when he says um, 
you don't want no trouble because you know I'll kick your teeth down your throat. Um, where's you couldn't three get a guys? Pay- yeah. Go on. You couldn't get a paleontologist to clean off a couple of, of these fossils here, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking, Ross Gale is busy chasing Rachel at this moment in time, Kev. Sorry, mate. Well, and, and yeah, Rachel's chasing Rey Mysterio Jr. Oh, no, that would be in like a year's time, wouldn't it? Fuck. Wait, what? Did you not know uh, about that? No. Oh, Brian Bradshaw. My mouth ain't working. Uh, Google it. Right, so uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. Brian at WCW Worldwide put it up. He, he got the uh, he got the magazine scans from the National Enquirer. Right, so Jennifer Aniston, Ray Mysterio. Did Jennifer Aniston really have a crush on WWE legend Ray Mysterio? What? <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't know about this. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was um, some good publicity for WCW back then. It was really fucking good for WCW. I don't know if they planted that story yeah. or something, but... Right, right. Seriously, um, I was actually thinking about this because um, there is a, another podcast, uh, a friends podcast that I listen to called Friends with Friends. Uh, British podcast, really, really good. If you like friends, I do check do check them out. And on one one of the episodes, it was a live episode in London, the London Podcast Festival, a couple of years ago, and they had the Wrestle Me podcast, another great podcast to listen to by the way they had the wrestle me guys on there and they were watching they were reviewing sorry an episode of friends where um, david arquette is guest appearing yeah. and the only reason why they, they review that is because it just ties wrestling and wcw together yeah and well sorry uh wrestling and fucking wcw and friends together friends. Yeah, sorry yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i am completely fucked today if you can't tell <laughs> Uh, I had a COVID test this morning. Please, please sympathize. <laughs> I'm, I'm worrying all over the shot today. But yeah, um, and I was thinking about this. Like, David Arquette, at that time, when he was in he, he was in Friends for that one episode, he wasn't a big star. Uh, this was long before Ready to Rumble, long before he was WCW champion. So it, it, it ties in retroactively. Um, same can also be said about Tank Abbott's because he guest appears in an episode of Friends, because uh, at that point he was part of the UFC, and one of Monica's boyfriends wants to become a UFC fighter, yeah. and he gets his he gets his head caved in twice. You know, uh, fun stuff. Those are the only two. And bear with me, guys, on this. If you want to look at two things, you know, if you want to do a family fortunes or a family feud thing for the Americans, if you want to do a family fortunes survey and ask things that were popular in the 1990s, things at the height of popularity in 1990s, wrestling and friends will be two of those things. Yeah. And they haven't ever really crossed paths. That's my thinking. Like, you, you would have thought, like, WWE would have really got on board the friends hype. They would have really got on board the friends hype, you know, cross promotion type shit. Or, you know, have like The Rock. The Rock appeared in Star Trek. The Rock appeared in that 70s show. You know, he probably would have appeared in Friends if he got the opportunity. Like, you know, if WWE reached out and just said, like, okay, you know, we'll 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 have an episode of Raw 
where or an episode of SmackDown where David Swimmer turns up and get gets in the face of Triple H and Triple H pushes him and somebody comes and saves him. Just something something or other, you know. I mean, they did they, they, they cross-moted with fucking shy, uh what were it called? Uh Shankster McNasty, for fuck's sake, you know. I know it, I know it was on UPN, like SmackDown was, but check that out. Like, yeah, that, I think it lasted two seasons. Like, uh, yeah. My point is, is that they never did that, which is really fucking surprising. And now this information's been dropped on me. You know, this Madness. was apparently big stuff. Yeah. This was apparently big stuff. It was um, um, April April seventh, nineteen ninety seven. So it's before this. It's, it's more well nine months before. Sorry, uh, this is nine months before that was published. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> I that don't for really a second believe it was true. I, I don't believe any of it whatsoever. I just think no. I think no. it's I think it's just cross promotion and it's good cross promotion. Yeah, yeah. But the you thing know. is, I think they actually. I think somebody actually asked Jennifer Aniston about it. Which just makes it so much better. Yeah, um, it's always stuck in some in some people's minds. Yeah, but me being an avid Friends fan and an avid wrestling fan, this is fucking news to me because, like, like I said, it, it always surprised me that there was never any direct cross promotion between the two. Now the guest appearance by uh, a Friends cast on wrestling, apart from Courtney Cox uh, appearing in the crowd to support her husband, but that doesn't count, guys. Yeah. It doesn't count, and you know. No, no. Wrestlers appearing in Friends, apart from David Arquette and Tank Abbott, before they were wrestlers. Like it just really surprises me. Or the magazine that was re- spotted as you uh, as you retweeted last week. Ah, yes, with Phoebe. Yes, oh. and you it, you you spotted the Sting, whereas the person that tweeted it only spotted Hulk Hogan. Yeah, uh, Friends Wrestle. Again, a fucking brilliant account. I, I'm just plugging my sh- I'm plugging shit here today. That's, I'm not, <laughs> not plugging our shit. I'm plugging, every- I'm plugging everybody else's shit. I'm not getting paid for it, you know. <laughs> I demand fucking royalties if you get a booming listeners, guys. Or views, <laughs> retweets, likes, Friends Wrestle, because he doesn't do a podcast. But uh, yeah, he, 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 the guy that does that, fucking genius. He, he's an absolute genius. But yes, I spot his thing. And it might actually have been Jeff Farmer's thing. It might not have actually been the actual sting, but I just noticed that white face paint, and I'm just like, fuck Hogan, you know. But yeah, again, something that got lost in history. Yep. Though they, they, they do talk about wrestling in Friends. You actually see uh, some of the uh, midget wrestling on TV at one stage, and uh, Chandler was saying, Rodrigo never wins, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just doing that. and when uh, Monica's boyfriend, I think he's, he, he was called uh, Pete, uh, when he beca- wants to become a USC wrestler and Monica yeah. breaks it to, uh, USC fighter, Monica breaks it to her friends and, you know, say when they ask him what it is, say, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like wrestling, but it's not fake, you fuckers. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Uh, but I, I've always had a gripe with that. Yeah, apart from that, Absolutely no mention, nothing between the two. And that is just, it just astounds me. Yeah. Yeah. Such a shame. Um, but to, to round off this Nitro, uh, Bischoff says to Nash that they'll, um, they'll get, he'll get them their fight on Tuesday morning at WCW offices, nine o'clock. And if they want to show up at the Great American Bash, dot, dot, dot. 
Nash just says, bring what you've got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy, and you're looking at it. And this is massive. However, the rating for this is a 2.6 to Raw's 2.7. This would also be the last time that WWF would beat WCW in the ratings war for the next 83 weeks. Raw results from... Sorry, I won't go raw results. I'll go for your rating and your views on this episode of WCW Nitro. Well... Uh, I, I said to you in confidence before we even hit record that I thought this show was really good compared compared to the previous two episodes. It wasn't a great episode by any means. It was just a decent episode. I mean, the squash matches for the most part were fairly decent. The matches that went long, sans public enemy, pubic enemy, sorry, and <laughs> uh, uh, nasty boys. Apart from that, you know, they were they were they were good matches. Can't fault it. It you know it was uh, decent show. The one thing, well, the two things I really, really want to bring up about the show why, why, why it's so much better. It's not because of the matches, really. It's more because of the fact that it's a go home show, and they actually build to the pay per view really, really well. Yeah, it's not. It's not a passing mention. They're actually building the storylines. They've had that problem and, in the past, haven't they? They've not been able to build it properly. Like no. They just talk on commentary, but don't actually build on the show. Now, every, everything leads to something here. You know, even even DDP, DDP, it's just, and uh, you know, um, sorry, well, I was going to say Stephen Regal, but he's actually got, he's got, it's a different kind of push. They're just basically building up for Sting and Sting building up for, for Regal, which is, you know, what you expect anyway, but they're doing that. But DDP, you know, he, he hasn't really got anything special going on at the moment. He's just in matches where he's looking good. You know, the continuing that, it just seems like everything in this show had a purpose. Yeah. And that is what we want from this show. It's, it is by far the best go-home show that they have done so far. Yep, I completely agree it, with that. Overall, it's a 2.5. You know, it's an average show. But, you know, you've got to give credence to the building. That's yep. why it got such a high high score. Without that build, it would have been a a two, maybe less, like 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 the last couple of weeks. So yeah, fair fucks to them. They've done a really really good thing here, and not to not to forget that that one hour and a half just zipped fly. You know, zipped past. You know, even I said zipped fly then. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, it zipped past. It zipped past. It flew by. Even taking away the fucking shit match. You know, it, it didn't even feel like it was nine minutes. It dragged, but it didn't feel like it was nine minutes or 11 minutes as you counted up. You know, it was just, you know, it just felt like it was there, you know, and we just moved swiftly on. Yeah. And that, it, I mean, look, even the tag match at the end didn't feel like 18 minutes. No, it didn't. You no, know, there were a lot that, going that, on. Yeah. I heard what going on. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. Cool. Um, the raw results that went up against this Owen Hart with Jim Cornette defeating Yokozuna in a King of the Ring qualifying match. Uh, Mike Merrill. Oh, wow. With, yeah, Mike Merrill. That's, that's no mean feat, is it really? Um, yeah. They were they were good friends as well, weren't they, Yokozuna and Owen? Ah, uh, yeah, they were tag team at one point. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mike Merrill with Sable defeated Skip in a King of the Ring qualifying match. David Boy Smith <laughs> with Jim Cornette, Owen Hart and Diana Hart. Smith defeated The Undertaker with Paul Burrow by a count out. Um, other segments included footage from the house show in Chicago the previous night, featured an in-ring interview with the Ultimate Warrior conducted by Jerry Lawler, in which Lawler attempted to apologize for costing Warrior the match against Goldust several weeks back and offered a drawing of the of the Warrior as a present. 
Oh, a drawing. Sorry, yeah. So like a drawing painting type thing. Um, after Warrior rejected the present and apology, Lawley smashed the frame picture over Warrior's head before fleeing backstage. Uh, Jim Cornette announced that Clarence Mason's lawsuit against Gorilla Monsoon, as we detailed on the previous episode of the National Podcast, had been dropped in exchange for Camp Cornette being able to choose the referee for the Michael Smith rematch at King of the Ring. And um, also in this week of wrestling, we had the WWF officially firing shots in law terms about the appearance of Scott Hall, aka Razor Ramon. Vince said that Razor's portraying the Razor Ramon gimmick too much and that it's infringing on the copyright he also sent that letter to scott hall himself <laughs> right well saying, there's something i actually want to bring up because i, sure. I did notice this that in the past two weeks he was wearing a denim vest and denim jeans yeah you know this week he wasn't now the the denim the denim vest and the denim jeans were pretty much a hallmark of the razor Ramon character that was his streetwear and He's just now wearing, you know, plain white jeans and a leather vest. And he wasn't, he didn't have the same, the same mannerisms in his, you know, the same inoctations in his voice. Yeah. You know, there was still a little bit of the, or, oh, uh, fucking hell, I can't even do a Scarlet impression now. A Razor Ramon, you know, I'm the big guy, you know, that kind of thing. He didn't have that, you know, it was still a little bit, but it weren't. It weren't out there. You could tell they was just trying to dial it back and get his own voice on character. Because obviously, he's been portraying Razor Ramon for quite a while. It's only going to be second nature to still try and put that accent on him. You know, so he's obviously just trying to phase it out. And But it, the point is that he is actually trying to do that. There was a noticeable change. Yeah. And I was actually wondering, was it because WWE had filed lawsuits? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it is, and and like I said, they sent they sent a letter to to Scott Hall as well, which uh, I'll I'll do a little bit, I'll, I'll read a little bit of it out. Apparently, again, this is coming from the Wrestling Observer, and it's Dave Meltzer. So, how the fuck they obtained a letter that's gone to Scott Hall? Unless there's a leak on the WWF side, I don't know. Um, having reviewed, <clears throat> excuse me, having reviewed the tape of your appearance, the text of the various statements made by you during your appearance, and the explicit references to past and ongoing storylines of Titan Sports, it is obvious that you are attempting by your appearance to suggest that consuming uh, to the consuming public that you and others from the WWF were now going to appear on Turner Networks in WCW programming as part of some inter- interpromotional match. The entire theme of the program, buttressed by WCW personnel afterwards, was that WWF wrestlers were going to be wrestling WCW performers and that you were leading a group of WWF talent in that effort. This is, of course, completely false and was intended to confuse the viewing public. It further goes on to say uh, that they're basically going to restrict any future royalty rights due to Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall, um, and any money that was owed to him they will just be complete. It'll just vanish essentially just because of the um, infringement. If you like, uh, it does also detail you dress like Razor Ramon and utilize the Hispanic accent given to you by Titan as part of the character, uh, part of the character portrayal. Um, so far, the threats have made no difference to WCW since Scott all appeared again on Nitro uh, and continued the angle. Um, <clears throat> excuse me again. Also, there was a pay-per-view that was meant to take place, which was going to be David Boy Smith versus uh, Shawn Michaels in the main event. And the pay-per-view 
cut out. Uh, something happened. There was a there was an electrical storm or something like that, and uh, they yes. lost power. So basically, what happened was that the cameras cut out, but the lighting in the arena stayed. So uh, Sean Michaels and David Boy Smith were apparently furious about how their match turned out. Uh, when they went out there to do their match, they apparently believed that pay-per-view had pretty much been cancelled, so they decided to do only a house show quality match because they thought they'd get a chance to do the real pay-per-view quality match in a couple of days when the uh, makeup pay-per-view uh, would be filmed. Midway through the match, Earl Hebner got word that they were back on the air and he informed both men that they were live and had to shorten the match to fit the pay-per-view window. Michaels in particular felt the match was already beyond redemption, so he pretty much completely gave up on it and he also spent much of the time um, swearing and heckling at a fan at ringside and pretty much threw a tantrum during and after the match. Both men were visibly upset that they didn't get to do a rematch. Sorry, both men were upset that they didn't get to do a rematch at, at the replay taping on Tuesday. And Dave says in retrospect, Vince probably should have just called the original pay-per-view a loss and should have redone the whole thing on Tuesday. There were also some issues with cable companies offering refunds while others only offered partial refunds all outside of WWF's control. It's expected that the final buy rate for the Tuesday pay-per-view will be the lowest of all time for either WWF or WCW. Um, I didn't know that. I, I remember we talked about power failures and stuff like that in wrestling events in the past, but I didn't know about that one. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a quite infamous one because uh, during that as well, uh, I think the power cut happened at the start of Austin versus Savio Vega, which was a Caribbean strap match. And even though there was a time where there were no lights in the arena at all, they still fucking wrestled. Right. They still continued. Uh, Austin has actually spoken quite fondly about that. He was just saying, like, it just goes to show. And he's one of the few people that I've ever heard give props to Savio Vega. He says, he said something along the lines of, it's a testament to Savio Vega's wrestling abilities, which he doesn't get credit for, that they are strapped together and they are still wrestling in the dark. And he was wrestling like the lights were still on. Hmm. He was essentially wrestling blind. You know, he didn't know what to do, Austin, and Vega just took over. Wow. Incredible stuff. Um, yeah. There's, there's other stuff as well here. I'll, I'll try not to bore you with it too much and try and fly through it. Uh, Antonio Inoki's multi-promotional Peace Festival took place in Los Angeles. Um, apparently, Dave goes on about how Inoki tried and failed to become a superstar in the WWF, blah, 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 and all the rest of it. Um, the event itself was uh, there was plenty of participants. However, the WWF, WWF refused to participate. WCW was involved, but refused to promote the show Uh Inoki originally hoped that to hold the event in the 100,000-seat LA Coliseum, but ended up moving it to a much smaller sports arena and drew only 4,500 fans. Uh, it was also noted that Eric Bischoff got a loud Bischoff sucks chant when he was introduced, and uh, Bischoff played along, even chanting it along with them. The crowd was an, <laughs> was an almost equal mix of American, Japanese, and Mexican fans as they responded differently to different things, and they all seemed to hit they all seem to hate WCW with Chris Benoit being the only WCW wrestler to get a positive reaction, probably because he's known well for his views in Japan. Uh, Muhammad Ali was supposed to attend, but couldn't make it and instead sent his statement, which they read to the crowd. Uh, it's also noted that Bischoff actually offered Chris Jericho a contract at this event because he was there. Um, 
WCW Nitro's ratings are up and the additional second hour is a huge success because it's already doing double the ratings that TNT was getting by airing Thunder in Paradise or, as Kevin Nash likes to call it, Blunder in Paradise reruns in the same time slot. Uh, <laughs> I love it. DDP was originally booked to face the Great Muta at the Great American Bash, which we detailed earlier. Um, New Japan Pro Wrestling nixed it because they didn't want Muta putting over Page. WCW was discussed cha- uh, changing it to Page versus the Booty Man, but that got nixed also because someone, Cough, Hogan, Cough, didn't want Booty Man jobbing to Page. So it looks like it will be Marcus Bagwell doing the honours. Uh FYI, guys, if you'd like to listen to the Great American Bash watch along, that will be uploaded next Saturday for your listening pleasure. Uh, it's six days away from this night show that we've just covered. So that's already in the can. It's ready to go and it's ready for you guys to listen along. So keep your eyes peeled and um, all the rest of that. Mm, so is that an official bonus episode? It is an official bonus episode. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. So you get- Even though it's sticking with the timeline. But, yeah, yeah, you you so in this case you'll be treated to three episodes in a row. You will. Whoa, mm. baby. We're um, fucking spoiling you guys. Give us money. Come on. We need to, <laughs> you know, we need we need to make some doors so we can ditch our proper jobs. <laughs> yeah, no, I love my job, but you know, uh yeah, we just need your support. You know, your lessons are more than enough. Yeah. Uh just uh just a few more little uh snippets of uh information. Bob Holly. Uh, was claimed to be leaving the WWF, according to Dave Meltzer. Well, that didn't fucking happen, did it? Um... <laughs> yeah. Um, Bob <laughs> O'Leary has spoken about this. He did actually put feels out, and apparently Bischoff was interested. Right. The, reason, the reason why he put feels out was because um, he wasn't getting TV time, and he was just working house shows. When he was working, he was only getting like $50, because WWE were really strapped for cash at this point, yeah. you know, so they, they just weren't giving shots to anybody and everybody and weren't paying money and all that. So he put feelers out to leave and uh, in, in, just in a discussion, he it, he was saying that uh, he will stay, but as long as Vince McMahon would allow him to have a side career, which is seen we're talking about right now, considering <laughs> what we were just, what we were just saying. Uh and obviously, anybody that knows about uh, anything about Bob Holly uh, is that he's a racing car enthusiast. And oh. it, yeah, and um, what he was doing, it weren't NASCAR, but it was like either one or two steps below. And that's what he wanted to do. He, he just wanted to race. Yeah. And this is one of the best Vince McMahon stories I have ever heard. You know, he is a he is a prick, but. He also has a heart, and he shows it in, in only when he feels necessary. And what had happened was uh, Bob Holly needed a car. Vince McMahon agreed to this new contract, and Bob Holly needed to build a car. And Vince said that he will pay for that car to be built for him. Wow. And he also said that we, the WWF, will sponsor you as well in these races. So... He he went to the, he did this tournament. I can't remember what the tournament was called. I think it was like a twelve race tournament, and you know he was getting sponsored. He had the car paid for him, and Bob Bob turned around to Vince and said, "I can't allow you to do that. Let me pay you back." And Vince turned around to him and said, "Okay, I'll take one dollars out of your paycheck every week. Wow. One dollar." <laughs> you no, know? he never did. He never took a single dollar out of his paycheck. Bloody hell. 
And unfortunately, something happened and the tournament was cut short or Bob Holly's involvement was cut short. And uh, I think that, I think that was when they came to agreement about uh, Bob Holly paying Vince back, actually, right beforehand. And Vince, was just, Vince just said, I'll, I'll just take one dollar. And he never did. And when Bob Holly uh, left the WWE in 2006, 2007 time and all that, um, it was just a mutual parting of ways. And Bob said to him, uh, I want to pay you back for, the, for what you did because that was really nice to me. And Vince just said, no, consider it a gift. Wow. And he just left it at that. Just said that you've been a good, you've been a good worker for us. Uh, just consider it a gift, a, a thank you for, you, for you for sticking by us when, you know, even though you wanted to leave, you stuck by us and expressed that you wanted to stay with us. You just needed, you know, more shots and, uh, and if that can't work guaranteed, uh, you know, be, being able to, you know, to go do something else on the side, you know, you, you stuck by us when we didn't really have the money to do do so, you know, and, and for, you know, we're grateful for that. So consider the car a gift and he still has that car to this day. Excellent stuff. I know. Uh, story. Yeah, very, very good story. Uh, the Hardcore Truth, Bob Ali's uh, book. The, the, one of the most underrated wrestling books out there. It yeah. is... Wrestling biography, should I say? A really, really good book. Good stuff. I didn't even know I had a book, to be honest. I'll have to, yeah. have, to have a, a look out for that one. Yeah. Um, and just finally, we're going to wrap up with this uh, with a little bit of ECW news. Uh, Brian Pillman made his first wrestling appearance since the car wreck that injured him a while back this week at ECW's uh, show, showing up in a wheelchair and getting into an altercation with Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, after the match, Pillman cut a promo insulting the ECW and other wrestlers. Um, one of the comments he made was about the gangsters and reportedly used the N-word in some context. Backstage, New Jack heard and went absolutely ballistic. He confronted Pillman when he came backstage and it turns uh, it turned into a heated argument. New Jack was threatening to quit the company, but Paul Heyman apparently talked him down. They then worked out a compromise where New Jack would agree to stay and work his scheduled match as long as he could go out there and cut a promo about Pillman first. And for some reason, Heyman agreed to this. New Jack proceeded to cut a promo asking why ECW would bring in Pillman, uh, bring in people like Pillman, who used the N-word, and said to leave the racism in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He said, this isn't coming from New Jack, it's coming from Jerome Young, which is New Jack's real name. He also said Brian Pillman and Tom Zenk were caught fucking each other in the showers in WCW. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Among other things. <laughs> Jesus Christ, New Jack. Um, I mean, it is New Jack, but... It's noted that there was a there was a long-standing rumour in wrestling that Pillman, Zenk and Terry Runnels all had a threesome in a shower one time. Um, <laughs> also going on in ECW. Um, there's an ongoing angle where Stevie Richards is trying to find uh, slutty women for Raven. Richards brought down Divine Brown, who is famous for being the prostitute who arrest, uh, who was arrested last, last year, 1995, for giving actor Hugh Grant a blowjob in his car. <laughs> I don't know how ACW managed to get her, but fair play to him. Raven turned her down, saying she wasn't slutty enough. Again, this angle is expected to end with Sandman's wife's uh, Sandman's wife Peaches being the one Raven chooses Jesus and starting Christ. a feud with them. Later in the show, Paul Heyman cut a promo assuring fans that the rest of the show was going to be incredible and that if it wasn't, he guaranteed Divine Brown would give the fans free blowjobs in the parking lot. New Jack's promo happened to kill, uh, it seemed killed the crowd heat for the rest of the show and the rest oh, of the matches hell. and angles fell flat with the crowd spending much of their time just saying, where's our blowjobs? <laughs> 
So maybe after the WCW podcast is long gone, maybe maybe we can start with ECW because I wouldn't mind doing this as a watch along. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Oh god. Um I mean Paul Herman is well known for shooting himself in the foot, but did he did he have to go for both feet? <laughs> I think he shot himself in the eye with this one. God almighty. And I don't think Which it was eye? <laughs> And I think that'll do it. I think that'll wrap everything up for us uh, this week. As I've just said, uh, we will be releasing the Watch Along for the Great American Bash 1996, where Scott Hall and Kevin Nash will be um, confronting Eric Bischoff with some more tomfoolery. Uh, there's a fairly stacked card as well. It wasn't a bad uh, pay-per-view from what I remember, but watch us. Uh, watch us? Watch us? Really? Uh, <laughs> That's, that's going to wrap it up from us. Uh, I think we've talked long enough. We've uh, took up too much of your time. Thank you very much for listening. As always, on the Nitrogen Podcast, you can catch us on all the usual social media channels at NitrogenCast, either there and everywhere. We're on almost every major podcast network now, now thanks to uh, Red Circle who sorted that out for us. Uh, you can follow me at HG6RT6GR6M. And Brian is going to give you his new one as well. At Brian Thoughtscrap. For another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast, please uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled uh, next week. The watch along will be up and then obviously as Brian's detailed the weekend after you're going to get three episodes in three weeks here baby yeah busy boys we're at it we'll see you again for another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast trip the light fantastic we out we out